Welcome to the Revel and Reveal podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Enfeld. To start wrapping up the month of March focused around purpose, I have someone who I am completely in awe of, Sawa Chobay. I first met her through To Be Magnetic. She was my coach, which I'll be linking To Be Magnetic below if you're interested in checking it out. But one of the things Sawa continues to inspire me for is getting into flow and allowing life to unfold and focusing on alignment rather than action. And... As someone who has been obsessed with clarity or finding clarity, if you can't tell from what I write and speak on, um, I used to have those five-year plans. You know, I would constantly be focused on what is the next step to get me where I need to be rather than focusing on like what means, what is so important to me and like what values do I have and how do I get into alignment with those values and to see what can unfold rather than what I'm so caught up with and how it's supposed to look and she does an amazing job of this especially like one of the times she was coaching me she was telling me how she got into hand modeling and how she wasn't expecting that and she wasn't expecting to be a coach but it's something that she moved into and she keeps stepping into these roles of leadership and she keeps finding herself into these roles that just flow to her and this new project fundamental hunger is another one of those roles this is a community focused around black women having a voice finding their belonging within themselves one of the questions she asks around fundamental hunger is like how do you belong to you and how can you step into that sense of belonging with yourself she has a section in her newsletter called 90 days of belonging Um, i'll also link that below you can check that out she has all of the posts there but she also has a newsletter with that and the community just feels like this safe space to kind of reinvigorate who you want to be and taking steps towards aligning with that version of yourself and she does this in a way where she knows that the more she steps into herself the more it will show others that they can do the same. Instead of constantly focusing on like, well, what do I have to offer? What can I provide? She goes, no, my story is enough. And that story will show others what they can do. Um, Her newsletter is also focused on personal experience, but also journal prompts. And there's just so much authenticity in that that is so... I just keep saying... I keep thinking of the word juicy when it comes to my mind, but when I think of Salwa, I think of this river just constantly expanding and moving into the crevices and seeing where she can flow into rather than focusing on that strict path. So if you haven't already checked it out, I feel like I've hyped it up a lot, but fundamental hunger is what you want to be looking up. And the whole idea of purpose, I think she's such a great person to focus on because we often think of like purpose as what do I do and for Salwa it's such an embodiment especially when she's coaching and telling like one of the things when 
we were coaching too, is I often would be like, well, I don't know what my next step is. Like, I don't know what to decide from here, what to do. And then she would remind me that I spent like 20 minutes talking about all of the next steps I wanted to take. So I kind of already had those ideas of, in my head, but something was blocking me. And she brings that out in people and helps people identify where those barriers are to self, which, you know, is just fucking awesome. And for some reason, too, I often think about playing Sims when I think about Salwa because she reminds me how much play you can bring into living. And I first learned this from P the Fairy, who I talk about all the time, and they were also a podcast guest, which, again, I will link below, but playing Sims really kind of identified for me, like, I would give myself everything in Sims. I would have all the cheat codes, give myself all the money, make these extravagant houses, and you play for a while, and you get kind of bored. And then you try something else, and you're like, what if I did this? Or maybe I do want kids in this family, or maybe I want to focus on becoming a criminal. I don't know. I mean, that one's kind of fun, to be honest, but I'm not saying become a criminal. But I would focus on all these different things and then see what happens instead of creating, like, well, this is the only way to play Sims. And, I mean, it might be a little existential, but when you focus on life, it's like, oh, this can be a game and I can see what happens. Maybe I will try hand modeling or maybe I will try coaching or maybe I'll try all of these things, creating a newsletter. Like, you never know what will stick. It's kind of like throwing pasta at a wall or playing Sims or, you know, just seeing where you flow, being the river. And anyway, I hope my Sims metaphor made sense. I hope you have kind of uncovered a little bit about purpose this month, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. So happy to be here. I feel like we've had so many great connections and little one-off conversations, but I'm happy to be back seeing your face. I know. I feel like we've just kind of like been popping up in each other's lives throughout the last couple of years. So it's been nice to like see that transition, um, especially starting with like your 2B magnetic journey. Um, you have a few episodes with them, so I won't get like so into it because I really want to talk about your own projects. Um, but could you talk a little bit about how you got into 2B magnetic? Um, I don't think we've ever talked about, we've talked about your coaching with them, but we've never talked about like what it took to like get started with that um, or your initial like moments of flow? My career has never been linear. So anyone who's listening, just know that you think it's a straight line or you, I always wanted it to be such a straight line, even recently before, like before becoming a coach. And after I was that person who desperately was just like, okay, I just want to find that one traditional thing that everyone else has and you just stick with it forever you know that story that you're sold for a long time and it's so funny and obviously you're an astrologer too and it's like not in my chart <laughs> even like karmically it's just like you're literally not supposed to do that and I'm like damn it why and so my path to becoming a coach it's on paper it doesn't really make sense but 
it does in the sense of who, like my, my essence as a person, it makes sense. Even all of my friends who've known me for a long time, they're like, oh, of course you're doing this. Like, duh, that makes so much sense. You've always been into this type of stuff. You've always been um, very self-reflective or wanting to learn about these things. And so I initially, I mean, how I actually got involved with TBM was I did it on my own for a long time. It came to me once I had pretty big rock bottom. And then it was, you know, one of those tools that you find along that path when everyone's just like, I need to, I need to figure things out. And I did it for myself for a long time. I was studying it. I fell in love with it, really changed my life. And then um, they were invited me in. And one of my best friends, who's also a coach, Amanda, um, was like, would you, you know, we were, we want you to become a coach. What do you think? And I was just like, wait, me, what? And I was so terrified. And I said, yes, thank God. But I would say I'm here, not because necessarily all of the other jobs I've done, but more around my authentic calling that I've always gotten closer and closer to. Does that make sense? Yeah. I remember you talking to me about the hand modeling and how that, that happened at hot yoga, didn't it? So I've always wanted to be a hand model. Um, and, and also like, even when I was in college, my, my friend would make fun of me because I'm like, I want to be in a face wash commercial and I would like practice in the bathroom. <laughs> I still do, but cause I just think it would be really fun. Um, and then hand modeling started in a last job. They invited me, um, as like, I was a full-time employee, but they had shoots and they were like, we need to use your hands. And then I just started getting more invitations for that. And I still want to do that. I, you know, have a website, I'm going to make a TikTok because it's just so fun. And I remember when I had a session with you and you were reading my chart and you're like, that makes so much sense that you want to be a hand model that totally aligns with, you know, your human design aspects. I'm pretty sure you're sense your biggest sense is like touch or, or something so it just kind of like mm, all yeah. that I think it was that or something in line with it, it made so much sense of you having like a tactile like I need to touch things yeah and, I don't remember what it was but yeah you said that and I was like oh yeah I totally feel that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I love how there in your reading I remember just reminding you that it's more about like allowing yourself to open up to the possibilities and like becoming a TBM coach. It's kind of like, wait, I can do that or I can do this thing. And it's kind of like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. You can. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I would love to hear your take on as someone who wanted that linear path. How do you kind of release that feeling of like, you can, you can be surprised with life and like it allows it's okay to like move with ease. So what I would tell especially myself in the past before is to not resist it because I, everything was telling me like, no, that's not your way, but it just felt like that was the only way that was the easiest way. That was the most straightforward way. And my quote unquote way or my way of being or what I wanted to do just seemed so much harder, but I also was making it so much harder. And so resisting your current present, uh, like present moment or resisting the opportunities that are being represented to you makes it so much harder. So I think being able to see the possibilities and opening up to it means you have to stop resisting the invitation, (laughs) you know? And once you finally say, okay, yes, I have chosen this, then what does that mean? How can I just be open to seeing what it brings me versus what I think it should bring me? what I think I need to do to be successful in a way that isn't even 
my definition. So I really had to work through a lot of those temper tantrums that I was throwing for a really long time because I was just thinking, well, it's not happening this way or it just didn't make sense because I was trying, I, it was such a small, narrow box of which I thought it had to, I had to fit in. And once I finally realized, okay, you said yes to this, let's see what's going to happen. And that's when I was able to get either more clarity or more ideas and just trust the things that were coming to me versus what I always wanted, which was like, can I just be an engineer and be done? (laughs) I want this five-year path. That's it. (laughs) Which is so funny because it is totally against my, you know, even when I talk to my partner and he's just like, why do you think that's that's like not you in any sense of the word? And it's never been me even before I started getting into coaching or human design. I've never been that way. And um, do you talk about human design in your podcast? Can I? Sometimes, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I'm a four, six. So I feel like that six, especially that third, like the trial and error thing has always been my life, but that's a really, it can be a really hard thing to always be trialing and erring and figuring it out and doing this next thing and trying to see like, how does that even make sense? But then when you come to the other side of it, oh, that actually does make sense. And this is the through line through all of it. And the through line is typically yourself and how you showed up and what lit you up, you know, not necessarily the the jobs that you had. Yeah. There's definitely that. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about the temper tantrums of like you heal the inner child and you have this kind of relationship, but then you get to the teenager phase (laughs) and they're just like, okay, but this is the way it's supposed to be. I don't care that we're like healing. And I think that's like this masculine energy kind of building up of like trying to keep you safe because if you don't necessarily have that path, then you might get hurt again. And I feel like that inner teenager is like, no, I don't want to do this. This is scary. Um, so I definitely, I think it's interesting that like you have that duality constantly of feeling like you want to go this path, but then also like being open to the invitation. And you're also someone who just naturally moves into the role of leadership. And I've noticed there's like that that internal struggle, not necessarily with you, but with people who they struggle with that masculine energy versus opening up to like those invitations. Cause then when you're invited into leadership, it's like all this guilt of like, do I actually belong here? (laughs) Um, So I definitely feel that. And that kind of goes in with you opening up fundamental hunger. And I would love to talk about the journey to that or like what brought you to that phase of life. Yeah. I remember when we last met, you were talking to me about leadership and that responsibility. And I was going through a lot of the, the responsibility to me felt very heavy and very much something like a burden. It was very burdensome. Um, And so leadership to me, or even declaring any form of leadership felt very burdensome. And it felt like, I don't want to do that. I'm not that can I just be the sidekick to the person who is a leader, which is what I've always done. And fundamental hunger is me taking leadership of my life and not, and redefining like what we talked about in that session too. What is leadership to me? And what is that? What does that feel like? How do I want to impact other people as opposed to feeling like it means I, you need to take care of, or you're responsible for other people versus, um, just being 
feeling like the leader within my own voice, within my own truth and what I want to bring into the world. And that's way more, um, that feels a lot more autonomous and also more interdependent with whoever I come into contact with because fundamental hunger for me is like, I finally was like, you need to bet on yourself and what is the worst that can happen? So fundamental hunger came to me in 2020, um, in the first lockdown and it was first just the word, the, the name. I had no idea what it meant. Like I had no idea what it was going to be. And I was sitting with my partner at the time who we were first started dating and we were quarantining together. And I was like, fundamental hunger. And then I bought the website and I bought like the G suite. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And I would write it out and I would, you know, brainstorm different things. I just knew that it was something, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And it wasn't until... I don't know, two years later where I finally was like, oh, this is what it is. This is what it's going to be. I need to keep going. I just, it kept every time I thought about it, I'm like this, there's something here, but I have no idea what it is. I don't know what it's going to be. And like, and I'm the source of this, which was also really hard in terms of, again, that leadership role and taking the responsibility for, for owning it and taking that risk. But So it came to me then, and then I finally realized what was really important to me. And I, fundamental hunger is all about what it means to belong to yourself and how to do so with other people. That's a big one for me in my life in not knowing how I could belong to me. Like I was always really looking for either validation or I could see things in other people, or I saw like possibilities, but I didn't really know how to belong to those possibilities or to even my emotions or what does it mean to be solo? What are my needs? What are my strengths? What are my joys? What are my ups? What are my downs? What's my anger? All of those things. I'm like, how do I belong to myself and how do I not isolate myself so that my, my journey through belonging to me, how can I involve other people? Cause I was also very, very emotionally avoided and shut down. And so not only was I distant from myself, I was also kept other people at a distance too. Mm. Yeah. I have in my notes <laughs> that your Viola Davis post was really what got me. <laughs> I loved it on there, on your Instagram for that page. Um, is she still an expander for you? Yeah, definitely. Like she embodies, I saw, what is that called? The woman king? No. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I saw that one and I was just like, this, she's just like leadership. All of her like being is being a leader. And it's so interesting to see that. And whenever I I saw her, she was on Hot Ones. I don't know if you watched that show. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. I I don't watch it religiously, but I think I saw clips of hers because she posts a lot on her Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. And she's just so like, I don't know. When I saw that, I actually was thinking of you because I was like, it just feels like she's so embodied in that leadership. And it just made me think of that conversation we've had. So I definitely, I, I get that feeling of like, how does someone who their whole life is about like letting invitations come to them how do you separate yourself from this thing that wants to kind of bloom on its own and does it feel like it's a part of you or does it feel like this is its own separate thing in community and I'm just kind of like hosting it that's such a good question I think it go it oscillates between both of those things mm-hmm. because the the latter in terms of it being on its own I think that's really helpful for a while because I 
I wanted, instead of trying to direct it or trying to own the idea, I would also be like, what do you, what do you want this to be? Like, what do you want to say? Like kind of being more in relationship with it. Um, And so I think that one part's really important so that I'm not trying to force it down like one lane or like, okay, now we're going to do this, this, and this. And I want, I always want there to be space to pivot or to change my mind or to um, just be like, oh, that's a new idea. Okay. Let's go with it and see what happens as opposed to being very rigid. And then I feel like it's an expression of me at the same time though, because it did choose me. And I said, yes, as well. And I think everything I bring forward is that creative, authentic expression of who I am, but it's also coming from a place that I, that's like beyond what I really know, if that makes sense, you know, and also has its own. I actually really want to pick a date of when it was born so I can create like a human design chart for it. I think that would be really fun. fun. Um, but yeah, so I think it's its own being, but we're in, we're in relationship together. So I think it definitely goes between both of those. When you think of it, do you think of it, like, do you see it in a certain way? Like is, for example, when I think of like my newsletter and this podcast, I see this like green fairy being, (laughs) and I'm just like talking to it all the time. And it's very like sassy if I have to say a word um but do you see an entity or is it more just like this feeling I've always been curious like there's something beautiful about people who just can like create something like this and yeah I'm just curious that's such a fun question I would say right now there's not a there's some visual but usually when I picture fundamental hunger the essence of it is very is very vulnerable, but also very firm, which is also how I like to describe myself too. It's very compassionate. It's very, um, it's just like, it has goals. It's driven. It's all, it's very determined, but it's also very honest. Those are all like kind of what I see and how I feel. And so to your point too, like when I get lost or for you this talking to your green fairy, I kind of think of, okay, what is the essence of fundamental hunger when I'm feeling not motivated or not inspired? Or I'm like, okay, this is stupid. What is this ever going to be or become? I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you can feel into this. So what is one thing that would expand the essence of what you see fundamental hunger to be like that I could do today, which is, okay, if I'm compassionate or if it feels like it's goal oriented, what can I do to like, what aspect can I choose and actually implement today, which is helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And what do you hope as building a community? Um, one, who is kind of the people that you want to invite into that community? And two, what do you hope for them in this community? Yeah, I really hope, I mean, my first priority priority is communicating and having really intimate conversations with other Black women. And I also, though, you know, for anyone else who doesn't fit up in who doesn't identify as being black, I just want people to stop hiding from themselves. I really, I think it's a really lonely place to be. I was there for a really long time. And I think that if we can stop hiding from past versions of ourselves, present versions, future versions, stop pretending or or being dishonest with ourselves. I think that that's, I I was so dishonest with me for so long and just denying the truth, whether it was good, bad, anything in between or denying pain or denying anything and just like pretending like, no, it's all good. It's, it's fine. But I really, 
I mean, at this point in my life, I'm always like, my boyfriend calls me like a warrior. Cause I'm always like, no, I'm going to go there. And I just do. And maybe that's my projectorness. I'm just like, nope, I'm going in. What is that? What is this? And it's not even, it's not transactional, even though that's kind of what it sounds like right now, but I'm just unafraid of what I'm going to find because I know that it's always going to be liberation on the other side. And so I hope that other people can go there with themselves and also know that they can go there with themselves and do it with other people. Mm. Do you think the coaching has kind of led you to this moment of building the community? It, From what I hear and just like having been coached with you before, it seems like the foundation was kind of planted in this coaching. And then now it's kind of like, how do I expand this to everyone or in yeah. this yeah, it definitely helped because my voice today and how I how I relate to fundamental hunger, how I relate to myself, that was all also strengthened through me being a coach and saying yes to becoming a coach and no longer being afraid of this is my opinion, this is what I think, I am smart enough, I do belong here. That was not always how I felt. I felt very small for a long time. I felt like I had no idea what I was talking about. No one wanted to listen to me. I felt really stupid. I felt just like so much pressure and showing up because again, you know, wanting, always wanting that one job or whatever company. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, no, you're, you're your job. You are the vessel, like you are responsible for like making it happen and breaking through those fears and being like, okay, I'm the one who has to post. I'm the one who has to share my opinions. I need like, people need to know what I think. Or otherwise, how are they going to connect with me? Like, you know what I'm saying? And that was really, really hard. I'm on the other side of that. And so becoming a coach tremendously helped me in being confident in my voice and my advice. And that now I can also do it on my own as opposed to, you know, working for someone else. And that's that's scary too. But even again, once I I decided that I was going to leave and really focus on fundamental hunger, like what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is, you know, I have less clients for a little bit. I'm like, but those clients or those workshops or those things will be mine. And that to me, that my heart was just like, yes, that feels so good to know that that is just coming from me. And there's no cap on like what I can do, what I can say. That was really freeing for me. Yeah. Um, do you have plans for workshops in the future? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm definitely going to start with one-on-one sessions and I'm also going to do, um, it's still being outlined right now, but I don't know if you ever saw my, my 90 days of belonging, which is what oh, yeah. project that's up on the website right now. I archived all of those posts, but essentially for a long time, fundamental hunger, I was really dragging my feet and I just kept thinking, why am I dragging my feet? You have all these ideas, you get excited, and then you find every excuse to not do anything about it. And I was talking to my partner and just like, why am I not showing up? Like, this is ridiculous. I'm procrastinating. I'm, I'm in my own way. And I would just kind of like piecemeal, like do things. And I finally realized that a lot of the stories that were um, coming from that was my, my, I just believe that I was not capable to have this type of a platform. I didn't think that I was black enough to create this type of space. And so 90 days of belonging was me 
again, creating intimacy with these stories. And so for every single day for 90 days, I just wrote everything that was coming up. And then afterwards, I felt so much freer, like the those voices were gone. I'm like, oh, wait, this doesn't own me anymore. I'm feeling really good. And then I made it a newsletter, which is also goes to show I didn't start that exercise thinking that I would make a newsletter. You know what I mean? I just said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I did it every single day. I even took it to a bachelorette party in Mexico. I like brought my computer. I woke up early oh, every day awesome. before everyone. And I would like, I did not, there was nothing that stopped me from doing this. Even on like the day I left, I left really early. I'm on the plane and I'm just writing it on my phone. Like there was just, I'm like, this is my ritual. This is my commitment to this. And that was really powerful for me too, to build that level of self-confidence. And so 90 days of belonging to answer your question is going to hopefully become a workshop um, or maybe like a little, not little, but a, um, I, I would like to have, what's the word, I guess, cohort or something, a, a certain amount of people who are, are interested in doing what I did and helping them through that. Um, I'm still figuring that out, but that would be a really fun workshop for me and starting slow and doing it in a group capacity. Cause I had never done that before mm-hmm. and getting the data from that and seeing how it goes. I like how you're just getting really lit up talking about it. I am. I'm like, that sounds so dope. I'm excited. I just like feel this like revving going up as you're speaking. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I just was having a conversation with someone. It's funny that you mentioned like you not feeling like black enough or Mm -hmm. I was talking to someone. I was like, I don't feel like queer enough. Like, I don't know what to do. I have a say in this. I don't know. And one of the things they told me was just like, it's it's everyone feels like they're not enough in some capacity with something. So I love that you're bringing a voice to that and like showing up in a way that it's like, no, everyone can be a part of spirituality and, um, and feeling into themselves and trusting themselves. If you had to put, this might be a very loaded question. (laughs) If, If you had to put, if someone was in your shoes of how you felt when you first started of this feeling of like shame around their voice and like not feeling like they can trust who they are. Um, do you have something that can start opening them up? If you had to describe like one lesson you've learned over the years of doing that. The lesson I've learned through that process of finding my voice. Mm-hmm. If there's someone who just like, they don't even know where to start, I guess, where would they start? I first, and I say this to all of my clients, we get really stuck in like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. I don't know what this means. And I never think that that's true because I'll have a whole session with them and they'll give me all of the answers. And then they're like, well, I don't know where to start. I'm like, you literally just told me where to start. You've just dismissed everything that you know. And you're, I would say, stop trying to look for some exact precise answer to fall out of the sky. That's like, this is the place to start. I think starting can be so simple. We make it so hard. So if you're sitting here with an idea and you're like, I don't know where to start. First of all, what's your idea? What does it mean to you? How do you feel about it? What is your why behind it? Write about that every single day for a month. That's a start. 90 days of belonging was just me being like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm going to just journal about this. And so I didn't know what was going to come out of it, but look what happened. A newsletter. Now I'm going to make it a a workshop. People are like, hey, where's the workbook? And I'm like, workbook? Oh, okay. People want a workbook. Okay. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so I think 
let go of needing to know every single answer before you begin and where you are right now is enough of a starting point because whatever you want to bring into the world, you know something about it. You know, there is an element of a why, but our fear tells us like, no, that's not right. No, Mm -hmm. look at this person. No, you're not good. You know, your, our fear just shuts it down. But I think if you were to just ask yourself, why do I want to do this? What does that mean to me? If I, um, if I felt like no matter what I did, I would still be loved at the end of this. What, what, what would I do today in this moment? That might not be a clear answer, but again, I think I was always looking for a correct answer and it was never, it was never there because literally Rihanna could have walked through my door and said, this is why you should do it. And I, she would have left and I would have been like, but no, why? I don't know. I don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It doesn't like, it really like there, when you're in it, when you're so deep in trying to be perfect or get it right um, and be successful right away, it doesn't matter sometimes like, like that. Why that, that guaranteed answer is not available. So just go with what you know right now and know that the more steps you take, the more clarity you are always going to receive. Yeah. That is something that I've definitely learned is that feeling it, it's been so helpful, like releasing this idea that like clarity comes first And it's always about like action first or whatever you think that step is, whatever it could be. Sorry, my cat's attacking me. (laughs) (laughs) So it's more about like letting clarity bloom instead of finding it. Yeah, definitely agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. And not rushing into it. So then all of a sudden you're making something that you don't even, you haven't, um, you don't have a relationship with. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it this way. And then that's the logo and all this stuff. And you're forcing, 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 but you, you're not stopping to say, why am I doing this? What is my why behind this? What kind of impact do I want to make? And going from that place, as opposed to these other external measures of value. Yeah. I definitely have struggled. I still struggle with it, with yeah. my art of like, I'll paint something. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. Why is this coming out? I don't know. (laughs) And then if someone wants it, I'm like, no, you can't have it yet. (laughs) So I get very like defensive of like, I don't even know what this means. So like, I can't give it up if I don't have an answer, but I think art is a great just metaphor for that. Of Like just because I painted it doesn't mean it's necessarily like, I'm going to have clarity around it. It's a relationship. So that's the same thing with anything. Like, you might just have this feeling of like, oh, I need to do this thing. You might not know why, but once you start moving towards it, then it kind of will unfold. Um, yeah, like I'm looking at these paintings now. And I'm just like, I have no idea what they mean. <laughs> and I feel like most artists, I don't want to put everyone in a box, but I feel like they don't either. And they just kind of like see where it goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's- and I think that that's also, you know, when I say belong to yourself and with others, it's like, you can share that art and someone could reflect something back to you and be like, wow, that's a beautiful meaning, you know, and maybe that inspires you. Maybe it's not the meaning you would choose, but again, it's like, let's just circulate the talents that we have. Right. Because when I wrote that newsletter and then people started asking me for this, I was like, oh, this could be that. Okay. Dope. I could do that. But if I had just kept that to myself and I was like, well, no, this isn't ready. This is what I, all I have to do. Then I'm not even allowing other people to be, to like have this relationship with me too, or have a say, or for us to kind of do this together. Um, and know that even though I didn't know why I started that, I got answers. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. It feels like art, like writing, poetry, painting, it's all just kind of like this portal of relation in a sense. Like if you're making something, anything, you have this, you're opening yourself up to collaboration and relationship. Um, how has it felt as someone who is said they're an avoidant person, opening yourself up to building that community? <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, it definitely started a long time ago before fundamental in terms of me releasing that identity and having the confidence to know that I had other options and other choices first understanding that I even was that, um, and also not over identifying with being avoidant. Cause I think there's so many tools out there and then we can use them to be this is who I am. This is what it is. And maybe not knowing that, oh, actually you can let that go now. And so I don't even identify with, I'm a void. That's not an identity that I hold at all. I know that that's the, the path that I came from for sure. And I know when it wants to creep up and I'm just like, okay, I know what that is, you know? And so I'm not saying that I'm now I don't, I'm not confronted with it in other ways. I just mean that I, I just don't identify with that anymore. I'm just like, no, I am an emotionally available person now, but that path started a long time ago, finally understanding what does it mean to be avoidant? Where did that come from? How did that show up in my life? And where did that stem from in childhood? The, um, the book attached was really helpful for me to read through. Have you read that book? Um, no, I haven't. I, that's on my list though. <laughs> yeah. It's um, attached by Amir Levine and, and Rachel Heller, I believe. And I remember when it first came out, I wasn't, I was living in LA at the time, actually. And someone showed it to me. I was like, oh, but I never read it. And then when I read it, when I moved to New York, I was like, oh yeah, this makes sense for me. Um, and having, you know, really great friends who could help me through that. And then just finally, um, for me, it was how do I belong to the things that I have been avoiding and my emotions with myself first? Because I think a lot of times people go to, okay, now I have to prove this thing. Now I have to show that. How do I show that I'm available? It's like, well, how get to know it with yourself. For me, that's always been helpful. I'm like, oh, I know this shame. I know where it comes from. I'm not afraid to talk about it anymore because no one can tell me what do I what I do not know about this shame. Like, what are they, do you know what I mean? And I think the reason we hold that back is because we're so scared for someone to see a part of ourselves that we're ignoring mm-hmm. or that we still have shame around. But I'm like, oh no, but I've looked at that part. I know it. I understand it. I will understand it far better than anyone out there could ever tell me. Um, not to say that there aren't great mirrors out there for me to get to understand it a bit more or differently, but that was my key to freedom. I was like, oh, I'm not scared of this. So I don't have to worry or see like, how do I be emotionally available? I'm just like, I'm available to my emotions now. So therefore I'm already becoming available because I'm not hiding from myself and I'm not projecting that shame onto other people or onto other experiences. Yeah, I, (laughs) it's taken me a long time to even identify that I have like anxious patterns um, just because I hated the idea that I could be called anxious attached. I don't like, no, stop. (laughs) Um, I don't want to feel like needy or any of those things. So there is definitely a lot of shame around that, but I think addressing it 
and you mentioning like being able to talk about it has helped tremendously because it's like it doesn't have to be a horrible thing like I had so much guilt around being anxious and I'm like maybe it's not anxiety maybe it's also just like I'm not letting my needs be met and I'm avoiding that Mm -hmm. um so you don't have to stay there either it's not a life sentence (laughs) if I just say like hey these are my needs then the anxiety goes away (laughs) (laughs) exactly but you have to understand it's like oh wait no my needs are safe and even if they can't be met, I'm still an incredible person. Mm-hmm. I definitely, I, I love that. My brain just like went. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I feel like I just had all these like little things trickle in. Um, do you think with that community building and opening yourself up to something like fundamental hunger, um, opening yourself up to relationship was like key for that as well. Yeah. I think that that was a big one for me. That's why I definitely didn't want to be intimate with someone else. Um, and not even, again, it wasn't even in my conscious awareness that I was doing it. So that was big. That was important for me to be honest with like, Oh, you are so closed off and shut down. And so instead of racing to be open with someone that's always going to be happening, right? Like it's not necessarily do this and then this, I can go back and forth between both of those, but allowing myself to be loved has been one of the greatest gifts I've ever given to myself. I wholeheartedly believe that. And that was a, that was a, the fucking, (laughs) that took time. (laughs) Let's just say that because I was so scared. But then again, going back to, um, realizing and becoming emotionally available to me and creating that self-intimacy, I knew that no matter what happened when I would put myself out there, that I was safe with myself, but it's so much harder. It was harder for me to put myself out there and then being quote unquote rejected or feeling or in not going well. And then being with myself and being a person that I didn't feel safe being with because then it feels so agonizing. Not that the other experience is it meaningful or doesn't hurt? But for me, it was so much more painful that I wasn't able to depend on myself to move through it. And then I would be with myself and I'm like, you're this, you're that, there's shame, there's critique, as opposed to love and compassion and um, feeling safe to move through everything that I was going through. But falling in love was definitely, I mean, that's, I think that's one of the most vulnerable things you can do. Um, And also not uh, romantic partnerships, but even with your friends, like allowing your friends to see you, people who um, care about you, people who um, believe in you and not keeping them shut out from your life. I think that that's, I mean, I have some of the best friends in the world and I don't know what I would do without them. And it's because of that level of intimacy that we have with one another. That is, I practice a lot of my availability through them too, with them. And opening up about how I was feeling. Yeah. And as you're opening up that availability with coaching and how have you kind of, I I think it can swing fully the opposite way where you kind of feel like you're available all the time, or at least I am where I'm like, if I'm shutting people out, then I do the extreme opposite. Um, Have you gone through those moments of like, 
trying to figure out what the boundaries are or like how available you should be with someone? Yeah. I mean, I think for me in the beginning, before I did a lot of work for myself, I was always giving to others because I was avoiding me, avoiding me. But the more I, I am intimate with myself and my needs, I don't really find that struggle as much. I think sometimes it can still be there, but honestly, not really, because I, I give myself what I need very often. So I'm, I doesn't really feel like I'm giving from a place of, um, of emptiness. I will say when I started becoming a coach that did trigger the, what, how much do I have to give this person to, to make sure that they got what they needed? Like this transformation happened that definitely took some time. And I think that was just nerves of feeling like, oh, they paid me this. And so now I need to make sure that I've changed their life in like every sense of the word. And those are boundaries that I need to have, that I needed to have with me, which is like, you, this is 60 minutes with someone that you just met and you're going to get to where you get. And once you get off the call, they are also responsible for their life. You got to move on. Right. And so I think that took me some time to finally, um, be comfortable knowing that you, we both are connecting for a reason. We're going to get out of it, what we get out of it. And also not everything is immediate. I mean, I've had clients come back and be like, I just re-listened to that or like our conversation and X and X happen because sometimes we hear what we want to hear. You know, how many times have you read or seen something? And then the 12th time you're like, oh, and a light bulb goes off. Right. So I think also not putting so much pressure on like an instantaneous shift and knowing that like every, everything that we're meeting or person that we're meeting is having an impact. And you don't, I don't need to have this extravagant, explosive, you know, revelation every time with someone. I'm just like, I'm connecting. You're here with me. I'm here with you. Let's get it done. And then when it's over, like if we meet again, we meet again. And if we don't, like, I wish you all of the best, but that's definitely a boundary that I've had to have. And now I don't do that anymore. I'm very much like, no, (laughs) no overextending. Yeah. I, I do that even (laughs) when I sell a painting, I'm like, oh, I have to like be friends with them because they bought (laughs) a painting and I'm just like why am I so attached and I've literally like this might sound bad but I've been worried about like ending a friendship with someone or something if they have a painting of mine because I'm like well I need that painting back then like I can't just release it even though they're two very separate things but that's like that feeling of like oh I've opened them up to this part of me similar with like your coaching and so I've struggled with like, how do I shut that off? Like, this is, it's not necessarily a transaction, but it almost is like, you want my art, but for some reason you take a piece of me with you when you're having it. So that's definitely been something that I've been setting those boundaries with of like, I don't have to hold on to my art. Like it's not a string attached to me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think that the feeling of like being indebted to someone Mm-hmm. that's what it feels like to me. I'm like, I'm indebted to you. You chose me for the session. Like what, what do I need to do to make sure that I've paid my dues? And it's like, that is not, that is not, when you think about that in terms of, of an exchange or an, and being in relationship with someone that's so disempowering to yourself and the other person, it's not interdependent. I'm not giving the other person the, um, the, the freedom to speak their needs, be, you know, like to be themselves and for me to be myself and turn instead of like, oh my God, I, how much do I need to help you? It's like, 
give them the space and they will come as well. Like we both are meeting each other halfway. And also for you and your paintings, I think it's interesting that you frame it in like they took a piece of me. That's an interesting um, way to see it <laughs> as opposed yeah. to like, how can we be more okay with, we had this interaction, we had this exchange when we were friends that was meaningful. And, you know, now I'm a different version of me, you're a different version of you, and that really shit may have ended or whatever, but they don't have a, they don't have a piece of you. I think they have memories and moments, but they're not, they didn't take, you know, like you're not missing a limb. You're not like actually less of a person (laughs) now that, now that that thing is over. And I think that that's a really something to be mindful of in terms of um, how you can like close that door without assuming. I used to assume that a lot with uh, avoidance because I didn't want to be in a relationship because I'm like, well, I, they're going to take this from me. They're going to take my freedom. They're going to take my, this, they're going to take my confidence. They're going to take my whatever. I'm like, no, I am choosing to give them my time and my commitment. And when it's over, then I know, and I will discern when to stop giving them a certain amount of my energy, a certain amount of my time and keep going, but they're not taking, they don't have half of my freedom. And now I'm going and have to like, you know, go to the market and buy more. No, that's not how it works. And so I think, um, reframing what, like they have a piece of you as opposed to, I was a willing participant in what I gave and now I get to use that energy somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I used to get so anxious if someone asked me for like a custom piece, because then I started, I would start visualizing. I'm like, oh, what is the style they want? And I'm like, no, they want my art, not, (laughs) not my service. And I tried to explain this to a few people, like, there's a difference between art as a service, like as a skill and your art. Mm -hmm. And I always used to assume that people wanted the skill, not the actual art. Um, So it's just interesting. I, I feel that comes up a lot when I'm like doubting myself or like doubting the business I want to make or the podcast or the newsletter, like all of these little things. I'm like, am I just a skill or am I actually like, this is who I am. And I I feel like that's kind of what the essence of fundamental hunger is, is like, no, I'm showing up as myself. And like people get to see that and enjoy it. And it, it feels like fundamental hunger is like a community of expansion. Yeah. Thank you. And I, and I agree with you there. And also reminding ourselves to like, making all these assumptions like, oh no, that person wants this and they want that. No, you, (laughs) can we trust, if we trust ourselves, trust the other person that they asked for what they wanted, they voiced what they wanted. And if that has changed, they will let me know. As opposed to doing all of these mental gymnastics of like, well, no, they want this and maybe they want this. And what is, who do I need to be for them? It's like, they came to you. And I think we need to give, that's like that interdependence to me. Like we need to we need, we're so afraid like that someone's going to take something from us, but when do we ever ask, what am I taking from the other person? Like, what am I taking from them when I assume that they're doing this or they want this? Like, am I, you know what I mean? That you're taking, we're taking as well. So we need to be mindful of that too. Um, and so fundamental in community with that, I, I, I hope that I remind 
that we're all reminding ourselves of that truth um, and not denying our skills and our voices, assuming that someone else is going to think a certain type of way about it, as opposed to trusting that the people who are interested and want to show up will show up for you. And and they're honest with what they're saying to you, right? As opposed to, again, no, they're not. They're doing this. It's like, stop taking away their, their truth as well. Yeah. And I think discernment is a huge factor as well. Like I have had people like DM me asking me to design their tattoo. And like, when that happens, I know it's literally, they just are like, oh, she can draw. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't do that. And I've kind of set that boundary of like, these are the things I make. And if someone asks for that, I'm not going to bend anymore because I think they need that. Um, Yeah. I've noticed as someone who has that pattern of like, I don't want to say people pleasing, but I guess that's what it is. I've kind of realized that for me, I stopped doing human design services just because for me, holding a space of service doesn't help me. It makes me feel like I'm not matching something and like that indebted feeling. Um, But with like a community and focusing on like my writing and like what conversations with people that's better for me because it creates that boundary without me having to like explicitly say like I can't hold this space um yeah I'm curious what that's been like for you having done both of like being a space holder and also kind of creating that distance with the community Mm, like what's been the sorry can you reiterate that like how has your experience kind of been with holding the space versus like creating a little bit of distance I feel like there's like if someone's wanting to start their own community or something I think getting very finding that discernment with like holding the space versus like if they want that distance like I think writing kind of creates a boundary of like you're receiving this but like I'm not holding the space for you oh yeah um with yeah I mean I think that kind of goes back a little bit to my coaching in terms of this is my service. It stops after 60 minutes. So well, you're not going to do anything after that. Like there's no, you're not continuing to hold space or, oh my God, I remember I used to go over so much and, and especially in the beginning, like sometimes like 30 minutes, which is absolutely like Crazy. wild. I'm like, oh my God, this person, like how much money have I given away just from, and not even just money, but my energy. And, and again, trying to give more, which is all also not necessarily helpful you know what I mean? Because people will always ask more and more questions, but that doesn't mean they're ingesting or taking in any more information necessarily. And so I think that that helped me create those boundaries. And then when it comes to fundamental hunger, I love, I love writing. That's one of my favorite things. I love my newsletter. I'm revamping it for the second kind of iteration of what it's going to be more long-term my podcast, or I guess it's not a podcast yet, kind of, but my first season interviews was really fun. Second season is going to be fun. I love long form communication with people. And I also love answering people's questions. And so I had this hotline, Better Call Saul, when people I was encouraging, not many, only one person called in, which is totally fine, but it's so fun for me because I, I, I like hearing people give voice to what they're saying, which is why I did the voice notes because I wanted someone to leave a message and then for me to be able to respond to them. And I feel like that's a healthy way in as opposed to being 
on demand, but kind of knowing like, okay, I can, I can choose when I can answer this question and, and in what capacity I can. So that's a really helpful one, as opposed to them flooding in all of the time and me thinking that I constantly always have to answer every single question, which is why I like to give journal prompts or other ways for people to autonomously do something on their own. But then also, how can we do it together, but not in a way where I am I constantly feel like I have, I'm like responsible for them getting the answer, but how can I provide my own experiences and my own questions so that they are always like building that intimacy with themselves and then they can reflect it back to them and reflect it back to me and reflecting it with the community. So everyone's kind of getting this together without me having to be there every single step of the way. So that's how I'm doing it right now. Um, Who knows? Yeah, it's really helpful. You're holding like, creating these little containers of like, okay, this is how you can reach me. Um, and I feel like with social media and everything else, there's so many ways to communicate with people. Like, I feel like I'm constantly like inundated with all these different channels of communication. So I like your idea of like setting these containers. Um, yeah. And that will I change like because some people, you know, someone who has 500,000 followers is not going to have the same, most likely the same time energy or that boundary is going to be, you know, they can't sit there and just answer DMs probably. That's all they would be doing. So, you know, I think also knowing when and how that's going to have to change depending on how big the community gets or might be like, uh, I'm DMs are off, like, or I say now I'm available for DM and that's it. And then it, and then it closes. (laughs) So I think also being open to you know, having those boundaries change too, as you keep growing. Yeah. I've even done that with friendships of like this year, my intention is to not be the therapy friend. (laughs) So I, I mean, I love, I love talking about this shit, obviously, but I've kind of said like, okay, I can't answer everyone's like distress call anymore. And or I can just say like, hey, that sucks. Like, I'm sorry that you're going through that and yeah. let that be it. And that's been a huge um, kind of revelation of boundaries. This year has been a lot about boundaries, I think. Yeah, that's always a good theme. Yeah, and also because it's you um, like this Marion Hassan quote, I've talked about it before, but she said, care not, don't carry, which I love because it's just, I care about you, but I'm not carrying this burden for you. And when someone's in a distress call, it doesn't necessarily mean I have to, oh my God, what do I do now? Like, we got to make this better, you know? And I think for me also belonging is to not rush or rush anyone else from a feeling that they're presently in. So if someone's really sad, I don't have to now be like, how do I make you happy? Because also when you're happy, then I'll be happy, which is just kind of that codependent um, dynamic as opposed to, wow, you're really sad. I'm here for you and you can be sad and I can still feel safe with your sadness because I'm safe with my sadness too. So we don't have to move out of this any like super quickly. Hmm. Yeah, I, I did read that book codependency no more or something. oh yeah I've never read it but I can't remember the author but that was that was important yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because I I used to call it sliming like people would just slime mm-hmm. and then you'd like feel it the rest of the day and you're just like yeah I love this person but then like why do I feel like 
I'm gross and I have to shower and all this stuff and creating those boundaries and kind of like letting go of like their happiness is not my responsibility, even if I want it to be, but yeah, that's been, <laughs> you ever, have you ever read the artist's way or have you ever done it? Front to back? No, but I think I've heard it. I can't. Um, yeah. I, I've only, I feel like I've only gone to like month three, like, or it's 12 weeks and not month three, but a week. I can't remember. I've always hit it. <laughs> I need to redo this from front to back. Cause it's really, really good, but she has this one chapter in it. Um, I think you would love it, but it's called like, um, the crazy maker. And like, she talks about the crazy makers in her life and where have you had crazy makers? That was a really big one for me too, because that's typically happened like at jobs where you have that one person and you, you know, you're feeling good or you have a big day tomorrow and they're like clockwork calling you with some huge trauma or some huge ready to slime, as you said, um, right when you are kind of in your flow or have something for you, but it's that person who is always kind of grasping for your energy, um, and not having enough, like healthy boundaries with that. And I think when you, feel slimy. I think of like that crazy maker. And I always think of, okay, is this person? Cause I've had, I've had not many people, but I can think of one. And then when I pulled away, they went away because it was very clear that that's all they wanted from me. Right. As opposed to being available to like, Hey, I feels like every time we talk, you never ask me about me. It's always about you. That doesn't really feel good. And then, so my point is when I've run into those situations as well, is also asking myself, how available am I? Like, have I advocated for my needs as well? Or have I taught this person that this is the role in our relationship and that's all it'll ever be? Because that's also a form of that accountability where it's like, oh, right. I basically let them use me in this way for ages. And now I'm just really bitter and really resentful, but I've never actually advocated for my voice or my needs. And they, are just, you know, like, great. <laughs> They're like, that works for me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, it's not everyone else. I feel like I've definitely been the crazy maker before in the past where it's just oh, like, really, that's a juicy one. That's, yeah, no, that's like, good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like there's, when you kind of create that, that dynamic with other people and you kind of see that like this happens with them, then it's kind of, creates this space that like oh I should be doing that too so I think it can be easy to fall into that pattern yourself so as I've looked at that my my friend Erin um she said like always make sure your sidewalk's clean first Mm -hmm. and that has always I don't know it just kind of hit me when I was just like I have these people in my life that'll come to me and I feel slimed, but I'm like, am I sliming other people? And part of that is like, I have shame around complaining in general. Or like, I always feel like, am I saying too much? Do I not say enough? Like, um, I think that's chaotic attachment or whatever, dis- disorganized. I have no idea, but I feel like, yeah, I've probably done that to people. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think we all have. And I think that that's important to ask those questions back to us for sure. And yeah, have I slimed? I've definitely slimed people in the past. I'm sure of it. 
Wow. If you've, if I've ever slimed you, please let me know. <laughs> <So sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who's listening, if I've slimed you. <laughs> yeah. But the complaining thing is interesting because I think, um, like, what does that feel like for you? Like, you think that you're being like, what does it mean to you to, to, li- when you label yourself as a, a complainer? Um, I think just because I know that feeling of being slimed and I have that shame around being like, I don't want to be the person that is that slimer. Um, And I think I've gone so hard in the other direction that I'm afraid to be that. So I kind of become that out of the fear, (laughs) kind of like worst nightmare almost. Um, And also I think there's that resentment that builds up because you're like all these people I have to be available for all the time. And they're sliming me left and right. So like, I deserve that too. Like mm-hmm. if I'm always available, why do they not have to be? So I think it is that back and forth of you've created this dynamic where they, they do that to you, but it's like, one, I'm not setting boundaries for myself or like, I'm afraid that if I set that boundary, then I'm not going to be loved or all these things. But then at the same time, I probably reflect it back in some way or, um, so I'm, I try to be conscious of that. So I think I, did that for 30 days too. It seems like we both like setting times yeah. <laughs> of like do this every day for, um, and I just wanted to see like what it was like if I just stopped complaining to people and yeah. it kind of opened me up to seeing not out of like shame for complaining. I think like complaining is not necessarily bad, but I just wanted to like see where, what relationships was that like all we did or yeah, that was the no, I think that's great. of it. Yeah. yeah. Especially because if it's just complaining versus I'm going through this and then no accountability, just like I'm complaining, I'm sliming. Cause I think that's when the ickiness for me always feels being slimed is someone is in their loop. There's no change. There's no accountability. It's just like, meh, like throw up. This is what's happening to me. This is what's happening to me. And now this happened to me. Now this happened to me and okay, bye. And then you come back again and it's the same thing. So I, I know when my boundaries being crossed too, when I'm like, okay, where do I need to stop investing in this person's story? Because like, there's no, there's very, it's a difference when I am, I have really great relationships and we're working through something, but there's movement, there's motion. We're like, okay, now I'm here. Or this is like my, this is where I want to go. And we're holding, we're allowing ourselves to, you know, quote unquote complain, but that's not the end. You know what I mean? It's just like part of the process. Like my, okay, through a tantrum, but like, okay, let's get through this. Like, we're not going to stay there anymore. But when it's just holding people's tantrums over and over and over and over, it's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. I think Atara said that um, he doesn't give the same advice twice. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. Atara. We just had a great catch up the other day. Um, and that's exactly, that's such a beautiful, firm boundary. And I've had to learn that as well, where I'm like, okay, I've already said this. And that's when that bitterness comes in too, where it's like, mm-hmm. you didn't hear me. You're not doing it. Why aren't you doing it? And it's like, this person will come around to it when they come around to it, but like, I'm, I'm done. And then the, the less you start it to engage, it kind of like falls off. Cause I'm like, well, now you're just kind of talking to yourself at this point. So like, do you want to move forward with this or not? But I'm not going to yeah. continue to and um, I, um, I am myself and someone I'm very solution oriented and yeah. sometimes people just want someone to listen and like, that's beautiful. But I think 
respecting that in myself of like, no, I like solutions and like, that's okay. If someone needs someone who's just going to listen, like it's not me. And yeah. And And I think that that's okay to either also state, which is, you know, even when my partner and I are coming, like, do you want, you know, do you want support or do you want a solution? And opening that up because sometimes you can come, you know, I can come real quick with like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And he's like, can I just kind of want you to be there for me right now? And I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, obviously I can do that as well. Um, but I think to your point, and I think it's really scary to also tell someone, Hey, I've noticed we've had this conversation a lot and it doesn't really feel like you want a solution. I don't really, I don't know how to support you anymore. Like what's going on because I, we are, I can't, I, I can no longer really have this conversation with you. It's really, it's hurting me as well. That's really scary. Right. That's like, Oh shit. I can't yeah. say, I'm just going to ignore this person or I'm going to just like be over here bitter in the corner. But I think real intimacy is also, you know, telling people like being honest as lovingly as you can. Yeah. That's definitely a hard lesson. And yeah. <laughs> I just, I had that with a really good friend. Um, I, I, (laughs) when I say this, it is clunky sometimes to set boundaries. Like you're going to feel like a horrible person sometimes. Yeah. Cause it's unfamiliar. Yeah. And like, I didn't do it the best way. Like I sent a text to me, like, these are the things I don't like and fair. That was not the best way to handle it. Um, but I was like, I tried and that's the first step. And Mm -hmm. so for them, they would constantly complain about the relationships and we, I would go down the same path with them and it ended up feeling like I told them I felt like a filler girlfriend. Cause I'm like, I don't have the answers for you. Like you should be talking to your partner, not me. And they, when we finally addressed it and took some space, they told me that they realized that they didn't trust their intuition. And that's why they kept coming to me and like sliming me. And so I think that's, I mean, we have such a beautiful like relationship now. I think that's part of it is like calling out when someone doesn't trust their intuition. And for me, I would be so terrified to make any decisions. I would go to like 10 people. And that's when I know I'm like, okay, why am I asking more than two people their opinion? The same question and you're getting the same answer and you're still asking. Yeah. Like, like, it's okay. You can trust yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think that that's true. And I'm glad you got to the other side. And I think that that's always a good, um, if you stick around long enough and give yourself another person a chance that that's, there can be resolved on the other side, that is priceless. Yeah. And so I think the main piece of advice here now is just like, try to set boundaries and be honest, even if it feels clunky at first. <laughs> Yeah, may, do it. It's gonna. It might be messy, but you're gonna learn from it. But also, doing something new and unfamiliar is gonna feel awkward and weird and uncomfortable. But it will always feel that way if you one are super infrequent about it, or if you just never do it. Yeah. How are you ever gonna feel confident in anything if you never give yourself a chance to try? Yeah, we're all kind of operating at like a third grade level. Yeah. <laughs> when we first start. So it's just like, yeah, exactly. You're going to make mistakes even mm-hmm. in the process of setting a boundary. Absolutely. Even now I'm, I make mistakes and I'm sure I will again, but I trust myself that I'll be able to rectify or move through it 100%. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. I feel like this turned into a coaching session. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, what and I think that's, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, um, bringing it back to fundamental hunger. Yeah. I don't want to put like labels on it, but are you, it's okay. Did you write a manifestation list with fundamental hunger? Like, do you have anything? Ooh, that's such a fun question. I haven't, I should. I mean, I guess I kind of have an, but not really my, I guess if I were to say it out loud right now is I want to, okay. I really most importantly, just want to risk abundantly with fundamental hunger and myself and be far more consistent with it. And that's not, not necessarily a manifestation, but I, that's more of a declaration and from there seeing what opens up because I'm really open to like I mean obviously I want there's certain people I want to interview things like that but those details don't really those they sound fun and exciting but to me right now it's just like wow you're betting on yourself how can you do you know Chani Nicholas yeah not a soldier um and she it was on her newsletter I don't know if she wrote it or someone else but um it was like in order to receive abundance, I might be butchering it, but you have to risk abundantly. And I always remember that because we always want all these things like, oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. But it, then what are you willing to do and feel to get that? And it has to come with some form of a great risk. And I'm ready to risk that. Like, I want to be able to be like, I am risking all of these things to like, see what happens with fundamental hunger. So I guess that's not really a risk, a risk, a list, but I think with that de- dedication, a lot of things will come through. Yeah. Yeah. This made me think of, okay, it's a weird like suggestion, but Dave Grohl, do you know who that is? Mm, no, I don't think so. He's the lead singer of Foo Fighters. Oh, um, okay. Yes, I know of He's them. a great person. He wrote a book and I was listening to it on my way back from New York. Um, and he talks about like manifestation and all that stuff. And something that like he talks about a lot is just like the more you expand, the more you're going to have to handle. And it's kind of yeah. like mm-hmm. the more you expand, the more chaos you invite in almost. And like, it's not that it's going to be harder. I mean, it will be, but like, you'll be more primed to handle it. You know? Absolutely. Yes. That's exactly. Ex- and that quote too is like that as well. I think we want bigger things, but we want it playing small. It's like, oh, so my partner once said this one, he's like, oh, so you just want to play small with in front of more people. And I was like, wow, shade, but that's so true. Right. It's like, that's basically what I'm trying to do. I'm like a bigger audience, but from still playing small, I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Like you have to move with the thing that you're asking in. So when I'm like, I want all of that stuff. Okay. How much more are you willing to risk and be seen to match that? And so we'll see. There's kind of, I think, P the fairy. I love, love them so much. Yeah. (laughs) They talked about it a bit and I I kind of ran with it. I think I created some graphics for it, but it's kind of like your intention is a straight line, but then your expansion moves all around you. So like you, you can go forward, but then when you're expanding, you're also opening yourself to the lower emotions as well. So like you'll experience those really high ones, but you're also going to be experiencing what that lowness feels like. So that is that risk of like, I can keep expanding, but I can't only expand upward. Like you're just expanding outward. Um, 
That's not to scare me. I want to interview them. I should just reach out and just be like, I did, yeah. Shooting my shot. And you know what? (laughs) They were really, um, I interviewed them. Oh, yeah, you did. I was meaning to listen to that episode because I was, yes. They talked about shame parties. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love artwork and all of their like perspective. It's, it's really cool. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. They were, um, I follow all these people. And then like, that was a huge manifestation for me. Um, this is a huge manifestation. Cause I was like, I'm oh, going to interview like, Yeah. <laughs> like me. I love yeah. that. <laughs> um, it just feels good, you know, to like be able to connect with people who like have such huge aspirations and are stepping into that leadership. And I think that you and P are very similar in that way of like, Oh, this is who I am. And like, yeah, so authentic and fiercely authentic, I would say. Wow, thank you. I received that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, my last question for you is, so the name of the podcast is Revel and Reveal, because um, I think there's this, you can invite in awe and just kind of revel in what you're experiencing, even if it is lower and allowing those lessons to reveal themselves. So I really want to know what is one thing you're reveling in and what is one thing that's being revealed to you? I, oh, okay. It's so funny when you can just talk and then the question you're just like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> you're in headlights. Um, I think what I'm reveling in right now is Okay, may, I don't, I'm like, does this work? But I really want to become a mother this year. And I'm finding a lot of joy, curiosity, and play, and a party that is like up, down, and everything in between. But I'm really embodying, like, I feel like I am just playing with like going in this direction of like becoming a mother and becoming literally a portal for life and also what I'm birthing with fundamental hunger. And that's been really, it's been really fun. It's been also hard and challenging, but also it's, I I feel, I say I'm reveling in it because there was so, there was a part of my getting here. And before here, I was so stuck on like, well, before you become a mother, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to have this, you have to be this thing. Like you won't be worthy unless you have X, Y, and Z. And I fully moved past that. There's a little, little things that come in here and there, but when I can finally say I am deserving of pouring into all areas of my life and the motherhood door, I've really allowed myself to like claim own and learn about it and be around it and really feel into it. And it feels so juicy and fun and also scary, but it just feels like I'm finally allowing myself to not be so scared of that. And it feels more playful and fun and curious now than before when I was so like, this is what you have to, this is what you have to be successful in before you say yes to that. Does that Mm -hmm. answer? Yeah. I mean, reveling in the process of becoming a mother is pretty profound, (laughs) especially with fundamental hunger, Mm -hmm. like expanding as well. And you mentioning like risking abundantly, I feel like accepting that motherhood is a huge risk and it is abundant as well. So yeah. (laughs) Okay. So it works. And then what's being revealed to me, mm, what's being revealed to me is I, so I had a a reading with one of my go-to mediums 
her name's Aline. She's fantastic. And she connects with, you know, my spirit guides. And the last session I had, um, one of the biggest messages was like, you are the spark. And I've been carrying that with me a lot. I feel like it's been really revealing to me in terms of when I remember like, oh no, you are always a spark. You're always seen. And I'm like, wow, if I'm always seen, then like it, it, I don't have to try this. I don't have to force this. I don't have to prove this. And that feels so much lighter for me. Even talking on this podcast, I'm like, it's cool. I'm just going to, whatever I say, it's going to, it's going to be chill. My last podcast I recorded not so long ago, I used to be so scared and so like, what are you going to talk about? Practice all of these things. And now I'm just like, if you're always seen, if you are always the spark, you don't have to try so hard. And I'm not saying I don't try or I, I'm not dedicated to my journey, but it just means I don't, I just get to be myself. And that's a huge reveal for me. And even being a mother, I'm like, no, I, I get to be a mom now because I'm choosing to be not when, not when I think I am good enough to be. And that I'm finally leaning into that revelation of like, I'm always seen. Cool. So like, that's such a, like, it just feels <laughs> the weight is off of me. And I think that that's helping me, um, embrace fundamental hunger and, and myself and my voice so much more. I love that. I kept hearing the word. Um, it sounds like you're embodying muse energy of like, just, I get to be the muse in my life. And that's cool. I do. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, we, I'm going to wrap up if you are ready, but yeah, of course. for your wisdom, this conversation, um, I don't know. It felt really good. How did you feel? Felt great. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you for the invitation. When you, I was like, yes, I love it. And I'm so happy to see you pursuing you and your art in so many different forms. Thank you. I am so excited for everything that's coming for you. It feels very big. Um, it does. <laughs> I keep seeing like a team. I don't know <laughs> if you, you feel know what's that. funny. Someone DM'd me today and they were like, Sawa, you know, I've, and we've chatted a, a bunch and they, they're just kind of sharing their kind words. And then they said, and you know, if you ever start to build a team, like, let me know, like, I would love to work for you. And I was like, in my head, I'm like a team work for me. I was like, thanks for expanding me. So when you said that, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I see. That's the second time I heard it today. Like that message came in today. Oh yeah. I've also been like, trusting my intuition more of like when things pop up. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, never say never. And I think that that's a good one because the, like always trying to keep myself small, I'm like, Oh, I can do this. I can do this. But even saying having a team and, and circulating that leadership and that energy is so big. And I think that I like, I like that you brought that to my attention. So no matter what that looks like, what that team looks like, it's still always like, how much are you willing to hold and risk? Yeah. I mean, even your medium is on your team. Like, kind of. Yeah, that's true. Idea of what it is. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, becoming a mother, yo, I'm going to need a team for that, too. So. <laughs> <laughs>